want to talk to you about something important. I start a, I start a series today, and the series is put me back together. How many want to be put back together? Yeah, and the Lord's grace and has the power to do that. We're going to talk about it. We're going to start this series off in a little unusual way because what we're doing, we're starting it off talking about the power of the cross to put our life back together. And it does. It takes the power of the cross. It takes the power of God. When it comes, I tell you, the enemy has been a master at breaking things apart. But God is a master at gluing them back together too. And so I, I just want you to know that if you're facing issues and circumstances where, where seemingly your life is like falling apart, I want you to know that's not unusual. But no, don't blame God. Somebody says, why did God do this to me? No, that wasn't the Lord. The Bible says John expo- uh, Jesus exposed it in John chapter 10. It said the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. It's the devil that comes to try to destroy us. But Jesus said, but I've come to give you life. That in the midst of that difficulty, Jesus can walk to the very uh, the shores of your storm. And God can minister and God can help and God can overcome on your behalf. So that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about the power of the cross and the way the cross can be used. Now, uh, we're not going to get very deep in it in the next few minutes. Because, man, when you talk about the cross, there's such a depth. I mean, to talk about the cross, you talk about the position of the cross, the provision of the cross, the benefits of the cross, the protection of the cross. I mean, there's so many uh, categories when we talk about the cross. But we're just going to start it off this morning, and we're just going to talk about the power of the cross to forgive. Because forgiveness is one of, we call it one of the simplest issues of the cross, but it is also one of the most complex. And it's one that sometimes it's the hardest to get a hold to. And we do, and we're a master at, at putting on facades in our life. So a lot of times I'll watch people, man, they'll be uh, having a wonderful praise service, wonderful prayer service, and then I'll talk with them later, and they say, Jerry, I have an issue in my life. I just had not been able to believe that God will forgive me or that God's going to bring me over that. And so that's where we've got to start because unless you're able to deal with forgiveness in your life, then I want you, you'll never be able to have the peace that God desires you to have. So we've got to deal with the cross in the aspect, number one. Now, there's so many benefits. Somebody praise God for the benefits of the cross. Man, there's so many powerful, wonderful benefits that come from the cross. But the first and the most basic is that area of forgiveness. And what I pray this morning is that God would give us a revelation. There's a lady at this church that we call her Miss Revelation. Anybody have any idea who that is? That's Thelma McCray. Thelma has been teaching at Victory Christian School. How many years, Thelma? 27 years. Yeah, she's been a teacher. And every student that's ever had Thelma knows these words. Get a revelation. Because, Thelma, it didn't matter whether it was a revelation in math a revelation in English, or a revelation from God. <laughs> Thelma has this way of saying you need a revelation. Well, that's the first area that we're going to deal with in the area of the cross, is that we need a revelation of the cross, and we need a revelation of forgiveness. Meaning this, we can't understand it on our own. It's not able to be uh, detected just with knowledge. It has to be our heart that's involved with it. And so it takes God 
to reveal, to give us a revelation if we're going to be able to understand forgiveness and if we're going to be able to understand even a part, our portion of the cross. Because I want to tell you, the cross is powerful and the blood of Jesus can wipe out anything for the glory of God. And the blood of Jesus is able to forgive anything, able to heal everything, able to deliver everything. Amen? So it's the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. Uh, now, this morning, we're going to talk about getting our position right when it comes to the area of the cross. Getting our position right. Uh, one of the easiest ways, I believe, to understand the workings of the cross is to see that the benefits of the cross, there, which are many and varied, in fact, I'll deal with that just a minute. There's at least 119 different categories that deal with the blessings of the cross, of the things that the cross does for you. There are huge categories that deal with that. But one of the basic ways to understand the power of the cross is to real, realize that everything that the cross accomplished, God the Father invested them in an account and put that account in your name. Every person that's here this morning has a heavenly account. And in that heavenly account, God started off that account with everything that he had accomplished on the cross on your behalf. I tell you, that's worth volumes. Because what that says is this. All of those times that you went to God and said, God, why didn't you do that for me? Or he said, God, I don't understand what you're doing, taking this away from me. We understand we was wrong theologically because that's the wrong position. The position of the benefits is God has already made a decision. And he already made the decision to the point that Jesus has already paid the price and purchased those things for you. And Jesus has purchased those things with the most powerful transaction in the universe. He purchased them with his own blood. And the things that he purchased for you, he's already made decision on. See, some of you are saying, God, will you forgive me? The truth of the matter is God's already chosen to forgive you for everything. And that's why Jesus came and died. And in the same transaction, we say, Lord, will you help me? Will you heal me? Jesus has already made decisions on those. And he's already invested them into a heavenly bank account and has got your name on it for the glory of God. So the problem is not with what God's already given to us. The issue is, how do I get it? <laughs> I mean, it's just like if I went to Farmer's Bank. Well, let's pick somebody else. <laughs> let's say Johnny went to Farmer's Bank. And Johnny made an investment under your name. I'm going to tell you what, that investment could sit there for the rest of time. Unless you begin to make withdrawal. But if you would make withdrawal, then you could get out anything that was invested. Now I want you to know, God's already invested more than you could ever use. He's called a more than enough God. He is El Shaddai, the God who's more than enough. So anything that you will ever need, ever, ever need, is already in your heavenly account. So then that determines the position of the cross. 
Where am I going to pray from? The problem is a lot of people pray from beneath their problem. And those are the people that's usually blaming God. (laughs) You're praying from the wrong position. You're not under that load anymore. God's called you to a heavenly position where literally you pray from the answer and not from the problem. And it's not, God, will you forgive me? It's, God, thank you that you have forgiven me (laughs) for every failure and for every mistake. Amen? So it's just how important. In 2 Corinthians 3, verse 5, it says this. It says, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to account anything as from ourselves. What this just simply said, there's not a person here that's not bankrupt. (laughs) We don't have enough to take care of our life. There's not enough, there is not any way that any one of us can make provision for themselves. I've watched people try And at the very moment that they thought they had finally reached that plateau of success, then something happens like a doctor's appointment that says, you have cancer. And all of a sudden, all that they had stored means nothing. I remember one of my most precious friends. You know, it's difficult, isn't it, to walk with people that seemingly have a resistance to trusting God. One of, my most, one of my favorite friends, both of them are with the Lord now. But one of my favorite friends that I've been at this church years and years ago, he always felt like that he had a goal. He, he had a menial task job. But he took that menial task job and he saved everything. Because he knew that he was going to get old. And so he was making, he thought, preparation for himself. He would say things like, you know, Brother I, I can't give to God. And I can't give to other people. Because I have this obligation to myself to make sure that I have enough. And so for a wonderful man, a wonderful woman, wonderful people, but just not able to trust God. They did this for a period of years. Now, he had a menial task. His salary was very, very low. But during the process of the many years, he put 50, I think, $52,000 in the bank. So finally, when it got to retirement, he was going to draw a small retirement, but he would always have that little nest egg that he could fall back on. I think it was the same month he retired a sickness happened in their life and all $52,000 was gone in a moment of time. I'm going to tell you, God has a better account. (laughs) Somebody give the Lord a hand. God's just got a better account. And if I can trust God, if I can trust God that he put enough into my account. So I just want you to begin think. I want you to begin to think that God has created a wealthy place. God's given you a wealthy account. Now, I'm not talking about certainly just in money. I'm talking about in healing. 
I'm talking about in peace, joys, victories, God calming the storms, God working out things. But if you're going to begin to be able to draw on the account that the cross has purchased for you, you're going to have to begin to think about it. Right? Your position must become different in connection with the cross. And you must begin to see that Jesus paid the price. He paid the price. He purchased for me everything, the Bible says, that pertains to life and godliness. So that means you can't name anything that God has not already made provision for in your life. And God has invested it in this account. And so you just need to begin to think, you know, God has given me a wealthy account. And he's given me a large account. And this account that God has for me in heaven is able to take care of any need that earth would have. And see, that's why the secret, somebody says, but it's in heaven. But I tell you, God knows how to get it to earth. God got you here, didn't he? Amen. God knows how to get it to earth. That's why in the Lord's Prayer, it says, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What it says, heaven's rule has the power and opportunity to come in to earth's demands. So if you're going to think about the cross, you're going to have to begin to think about what Jesus has done for you, what he's already invested in your life, what he's already provided for you. And I tell you, it's not what God's going to do. It's what he has already done. You can spend the rest of your existence just using up what God's already done, and you would never, ever bankrupt heaven ever for the glory of God. I heard it explained like this one time. They say you take as many 55, anybody know what a 55-gallon barrel is? People used to know what that is. All right, you take as many 55, Robert, you know what a 55-gallon barrel is. You take as many 55-gallon barrels as you can, and you load them up on everything that you can find to load them up on, and you take a trip over to the old muddy Mississippi River, and you fill up every barrel that you can, and you haul back as much as you can, and then just look at that river and see if it dropped a bit. Amen. That's the way it is with the powerful provision that God has. You will never bankrupt heaven no matter what your need is for the glory of God. Amen. A way to explain it is, is found in, well, we, let us go Second Corinthians. I was reading that. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to account anything as from ourselves, but our sufficiency is what? Read it. Of God. Our sufficiency is who is standing behind the bank account that God has opened with your name on it? God is. Who is the one that's the guarantee on behalf of that? God is. Who's the one that has said he has healed you? It's God. Who's the one that said he would deliver you? It's God. Who's the one that said he would bring you through those issues? It's God. It's all God. Can you say amen? Now, our problem is this, and our problem is found in Luke chapter 15, verse 11. And it starts off this way, and it says, and you immediately will understand what this verse is talking about. It said, a man had two sons. We immediately know that we're fixing to talk about the prodigal son. That's what we call it. But the truth of the matter, this is talking about two sons. Two sons that's looking at the account of their father through different ways. 
they too did not understand the position that they could have with the cross. Honey, you're just not praying beneath that thing. You're praying from the area of provision of what God has already done and God has already accomplished. Amen. So it says this in Luke chapter 15. Now there's two issues, two sons. Now daddy has it all. Everybody say, daddy has it all. In this story, Jesus, it's, a, it's a picture story of what we're talking about. And daddy has it all. The problem is this. One son knew what he had, but he wasn't responsible with it. The other son never knew what he had. Never knew it. One son went out and wasted it, while the other son lived with it, but never knew he had it. I wonder how many people are here this morning in what we call the house of God. I wonder how many people are sitting right here and you're sitting there in the midst of all types of problems and all types of... In fact, many of you can't even hardly even hear the words that I say because your problems have mounted up so high in your life. But I just want to say you have no idea what God has already given you. Because if you had any idea of the provision that the cross has already made for you, you wouldn't be worrying anymore. Amen? All right, let's read this. In Luke chapter 15, verse 29, it said, But he replied, this is the son that, that lived in the house but had no idea, this son. But he replied, All these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to. And all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. The next verse says, Yet when the sons of yours comes back, after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fatted kite. But I want you to know what the dad thought. And this is Heavenly Father. This is your Heavenly Father's view of what's going on in your life. His father said to him, Look, dear son, you have always stayed by me, and everything I have is yours. That's what God is saying to you this morning. Everything I have is yours. Everything I have, that's what God's saying. Everything I have is yours. That's what he's saying. Everything I have is yours. Everything I have is yours. That's what God's saying. Everything I have is really yours. Everything the cross has purchased is really yours. Now give the Lord a hand clap that God is doing that. Amen. Lord is good. Amen. We have an account that is full of what the cross has purchased. The cross has purchased. There has never been a transaction. There has never been a transaction in any amount of time. There's never been a transaction anywhere that's involved the depth of what the cross was involved and what it was able to purchase. Because the cross not only purchased what was then, (laughs) but the cross purchased in what shall be for the glory of God. God not only has you in mind about what you have done, 
But God has plans for you that you've never, ever thought about. And God is ready to take care of that for your life. Amen. So you've got to begin to think. Ephesians chapter 1. We're going to kind of close it with this. When we're talking about the account that God has set for us. Ephesians chapter 1, it says, In Him we have redemption. Now, that word, in Him, if you've got in your Bible, you need to circle it. Because that means what God did for you on the cross. Anytime you see those two words in your New Testament, they're talking about what God did for you, what God gave you, what He invested into your heavenly account. That word, in Him, is in the Bible and, render, and different renderings of it 119 times. That's why I told you there was 119 different categories of what God had done for you on the cross. And 119 different verses tell you just how much God loves you and how much He has invested in you and the provision that He has provided for you. Amen. So we need to circle that. We have redemption through His blood the forgiveness of our trespasses. And let me say, the greatest thing that's invested into your account is the forgiveness that Calvary bought. The forgiveness that Calvary purchased. If you're here this morning, and if you think possibly, you know, Jerry, I just went too far, or that's usually not what we think. We usually think this, that the cross just made a partial payment. That we're still going to have to pay a price. I'm here to tell you, Jesus paid the price. <laughs> and that price is not yours. Because not only is it a revelation. So not only is our revelation lady here telling us we've got to have a revelation. But it's also we've got to know the cross is a process. God has invested into my account everything I have needed, everything I am needing, and everything I shall need. All of it has been God trusted me. God trusted you. God trusted you that he could go ahead and invest into your account everything that you would ever need. But here's the process. I receive it out as the need arises. I've got to know that. And that's not hard to understand. Boy, I've, I used to think about when I, was a, when I was a kid, what it would be like to be a millionaire. Everybody had thoughts like that? I gave up on those a few years ago. <laughs> at, at the difference at the difference life would, could possibly be, <laughs> you know? But I don't care how much you got in your account. You could still only use what you could get out. Do you understand? So it is of vital importance. It's something that is already ours. That's what the account of heaven is. It's something that is already mine. It already belongs to me. But I have to receive it. I have to receive it. That's where people get mixed up. They don't understand the process of the cross. That's why people point fingers and blame God. They don't understand. There is a process. 
It's what God has already given to me, but I have to receive it. I have to write that check. I have to put that card in that slot. I have to walk up to that bank teller. There's a process that happens that helps me to receive what God has already given to me to help me to receive it into my life. Amen? So it's just vitally important. And that brings me to number three. It takes understanding. Everybody say it takes understanding. We fail to realize we're wrestle. It's a wrestle a lot of times in this life. It's a wrestle. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 22. I want to show you the process real quickly in the area of spiritual warfare. Ephesians chapter 1. It talks about what Jesus has, what he's investing in your account. He said, and he put all things under his feet. Jesus has already defeated the enemy completely. Jesus has already destroyed Satan's power to harm you. Jesus has already done that. It, is already, it says that he had put all things. Everybody say all things. He's put all things under his feet. But then Romans chapter 16, verse 20, I forget. I have to have understanding. And it's the God of peace will crush Satan under my feet when? Shortly. Even though it's already happened, it's got to happen. Even though that it's already been invested into my account. You understand what I said? Jesus has already defeated the devil, but he's going to defeat my devil shortly. You understand? That is, um, it takes understanding. Some of you give up. Some of you quit. And the Bible says if you give up to know, you won't receive anything from the Lord. We are not of those that give up. We are those that continue to believe and continue to trust and continue to wait on God. That's why you cannot get out of your heavenly account without the Holy Spirit. Listen here. Self-pity is not, not a glorious thing. You understand? I'm here to tell you, you can feel sorry for yourself. You can try to move God through self-pity. It's not a glorious thing. God moves on people that is willing to say, Lord, it's hard, but I'm going to wait on you. You've already done it. You've already completed it. I'm waiting for the manifestation of what you've already accomplished for your glory. Amen. And it develops a tenacity. It develops a strength to be able to make a stand and wait on God. We don't like to use those words, wait. But you go and write a check and see if you don't have to wait a little bit. Especially if it's a big check. They're going to say, let me see your driver's license. And they're going to, let me call and see if you've got enough in that account. We learn how to wait at the bank teller for a few minutes. But then when it comes to waiting for God to do a miracle, we give up and point our finger at God and say, God, you fail me. Instead of realizing God comes through every time for those that wait on him for the glory of God. In fact, the Bible says, those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They'll mount up with wings of eagles. They'll run and not grow weary. They'll walk and not faint. So get out of the pool and feel sorry for myself. Jump over in the pool. I know your helmet may be knocked about sideways. Your shield may be having so many arrows in it, you can't hardly tote it. Your, your sword may have fought so much, it's got so many uh, crank, uh, 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 skips in it. But God is here to tell you, if you will keep fighting, you will win this war. Because the war has already been won by the Lord. Amen. Everybody say patience. 
have to have understanding that it takes place. So here, all right, so I was closing. Let me go ahead and close. There are five things that accompany forgiveness. Now we're talking about the benefit of forgiveness from the cross. There's five things that will accompany it. The first, the first one is confession that would accompany forgiveness in my life. The way you're going to open the door is you're going to believe. And you're going to believe to the point that it becomes a confession of your faith. That's why Romans 10 says to activate the things of God. You have to believe in your heart and you have to confess with your mouth. Somebody says, I'm ready to do it. Do you know that's what baptism is? Some of you may not have believed God enough to even to be baptized. You need to. Because when you're baptized in a water, it's a mark of confession. It's me confessing to the world that I died and Jesus now lives in my stead. So one of the first things that's going to accomplish God's forgiveness in your life is the willingness to confess. That's why in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, it says that if thou wilt confess thy sins, he will be faithful and just to forgive. Now that's that understanding point again. God's already forgiven me, but he's going to forgive. You understand? That's, you've got to understand that. God's already invested in my account, but he's going to, to do it. Amen. So you've got to be willing. You've got to be willing to confess the lordship of Jesus in your life. You've got to come out of the shadows. You've got to quit hiding behind public opinion. You've got to quit hiding behind people that you're afraid of. And you've got to begin to boldly confess the Lord Jesus in your life. And you may have to look at from crowds and you may have to look at them and say, you know what, y'all going that way, I'm going to let y'all go that way, but I can't go that way. I just love Jesus too much. I just love Jesus too much. I, I just love Jesus too much. I have to confess Jesus in my life. So confession, the second birthmark of the process of forgiveness working in our life is change. You can't be forgiven without changing. You hear what I'm telling you? Somebody said, well, I shook that preacher's hand, walked down that aisle. Did you walk back the same way you walked down? Did things change? Did things change? Did things change? And so many times, we in the modern-day Christian church, we rely on those ignorant things that literally have nothing to do with true salvation experiences. But the Bible says old things pass away and behold all things become new. Now that doesn't mean that you when you get forgiveness that doesn't mean that you're immediately Mr. Christian. But that does mean something has changed inside you that when God forgives you things change how many remember some of that change 
I do too, man. I remember I was just an ignorant little kid. I remember all my world consisted of was riding motorcycles and, and living life and outrunning the lane. You know, but it changed that night. <laughs> I prayed that prayer with Billy Graham because something happened in me. I mean, it completely changed right direction. Now, like I said, I still had all types of issues. But something, man, my life changed that night. Really <laughs> changed. So the second thing is change. The third thing that must have happened. Compassion. You know, the Bible says that you can know that you have been born again by your love for the brethren if you still have an issue loving people you just need to allow that forgiveness to go a little deeper because that is one of the major trademarks I still when I went down that night in front of that television set and I prayed that prayer with Billy Graham and I got up, I was still a rascal, but in me there was a heart that had become so big. If you are not known by the flow of compassion that comes out of you, that forgiveness has just got to go a little deeper. Then number four the birthmark of conflict. There should always be a conflict. That's what it said in the book of 1 John. 1 John chapter 1 tells us how to get it. And 1 John chapter 2 tells us what's happened. And what it says that if I'm born of God, I'm overcoming this world. Now that word overcome is a military term. It means struggle. If you can just love God and drift on and not go through struggles, let me tell you, it's taken me struggles to quit habits. It's taken me struggles to get the things out of my mouth that used to come out of there. It takes struggles to try to make myself think differently. A believer is known not just by his love, but it's known by his struggles. Because that believer is determined the world's not going to rule me, the devil's not going to rule me, and my flesh is not going to rule me. I will struggle until Jesus rules me. And that believer, I know we all get saved for that peace, but in the underneath that peace is a huge struggle. There should always be a struggle going on in your life. I'm struggling to quit this, Pastor. I'm struggling to quit that. I'm struggling to stop that. I'm struggling to think differently. I'm struggling to quit being mad. I'm struggling. I'm struggling. But I'm winning. I'm winning. I'm winning for the glory of God. There should always be that for the glory of God. Then the last one. It's the birthmark of conduct. 
simply saying, Jesus said in John 8, 29. And he who sent me is with me, Jesus said. The Father has not left me. For I always do those things that please him. If your experience with God is not tied to you living a life that pleases God, you got tied to the wrong one. (laughs) Because if you're tied to the cross, there's such a desire to please the Lord. You know, one of the greatest times of intimacy with me and the Lord has not been when I did well. My greatest times of intimacy with the Lord has been when I royally messed up. And I would come to the lap of Jesus. I'd crawl up into his arms. And I'd say, God, I messed up again. And God has a way, as a principle that works all through your life. It's a principle when God takes, when the devil has done his best against you, God steps in and shows you just how good he can do with it. And God takes those moments of most of the most embarrassment and God turns them to be the richest moments of intimacy with him I tell you what I've had a lot of wonderful moments with the Lord but my closest moments has been when I just laid my head on his lap and I said Jesus I'm going to let you forgive me I'm going to let you wash me clean I'm going to let your water just wash over me I'm going to let you clean this mess out of me I'm going to let you clean these thoughts out of me, God. I'm going to let you clean this stuff out of me. Because you know what happens? The Bible says it's another power of the cross, the position of the cross. The Bible says, he that is afar off (laughs) comes near. God said, that that was against you to push you so far from me, God said, I'm going to use it (laughs) to bring you so close to me. Now, I've watched the Lord do a lot of miracles in the last number of years. I've watched the Lord heal bodies and deliver people. It's been those moments. I've I've watched God. I've I've watched gross disappear underneath the hand. It's been a lot of moments, but those are not my most desired moments. It's those moments when I would just let God forgive me with my head in his lap hearing him whisper something like I love you my son (laughs) I love you my son